turn to Matthew chapter 1, first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to begin reading down in verse 16 and read through the end of the chapter. You follow along silently as I read aloud. The scriptures tell us, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David unto the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for the time together this morning. I pray now that you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray that you'd help me to communicate your word faithfully, effectively, Lord. I pray for the spiritual needs represented here this morning, Lord. There may be one here today uh, that doesn't know for sure they're on the way to heaven, Lord. There may be others here today that are saved, uh, but they're struggling in some areas of their lives. Lord, I just pray uh, that as we uh, share your word today that uh, they would gain victory in their lives. We're thankful for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Those of you that perhaps uh, attempted to watch uh, the message last week when we did Facebook Live, I know there was a couple of glitches and stuff in it, but uh, I'm not a tech guy, so that's the best I could do. Uh, but we talked about the ministry of John the Baptist and how the purpose of John the Baptist was to prepare a way uh, for the Lord, prepare the way of the Lord, you know. Uh, every valley shall be exalted, every every uh, uh, high place should be brought down, the rough place is smooth, the crooked place made straight, you know. And, and he was talking about the fact that God uh, had a plan to reconcile ourselves to him. It's important to note, folks, that the Bible says God was coming to us. Now we were going to God. You know, a lot of your major religions, a lot of your major uh, denominations and churches are teaching people that this is the way that they have to go. This is what they need to do. This are, these are the things they got to check off in order to make sure they can get to heaven. And the fact of the matter is, folks, we have no hope of making it to heaven on our own. God had to come down to us. We cannot get up to God. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not a person in this room. You might think to yourself, well, Pastor Mike, I'm not that bad a person. I, I, I pay my taxes. I love my wife. I take care of my kids. I don't kick the dog. You know, I don't cuss at the people at Walmart to take my spot in the parking lot. I mean, I, I live a pretty good life. But folks, the Bible says all of our righteousness to God is like filthy rags. 
Our iniquities like the wind have driven us away. All we like sheep, the Bible says, have gone astray. We love uh, talking about Jesus being the good shepherd and we're part of the flock, we're part of the sheep. But I don't think that was meant necessarily as a compliment. I'm told uh, by farmers and folks that know such things that sheep are about the stupidest animal on earth. Uh, they, 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 they do lots of dumb things, and they need a shepherd to lead them. They need a shepherd to guide them. And the Bible says that in the Old Testament. All we like sheep have gone astray. They got no sense of direction. They got no sense of what the smart thing is to do. Uh, they're, they're just, they're, they just don't have a lot going on. And the Bible says that's the way it is with us. We think we can earn our way. We think we can be good enough. We think we can check off the boxes and make it. But there's nothing that we can do to get us there. Now, in the message this week, we just looked at a little, uh, we didn't read the entire chapter. You read the entire chapter. The, the gospel writer Matthew is making a case. He's making the argument that Jesus is the legitimate descendant of David. And, and actually, through both sides. Luke gives the genealogy of Mary. Mary descended from David. Uh, Matthew gives the genealogy of, of the father, uh, Joseph. Uh, but of course, we know Joseph wasn't his actual dad, right? He was his stepdad. But he's trying to show that Jesus fulfilled uh, the prophecy given to David that someday he was going to have a descendant that was going to sit on his throne forever. There's no king that's ever been born on this earth that can sit on a throne forever. Amen? You get a certain amount of time, and then they're done. They get a certain amount of years to reign, and then it's done, and it goes to the next person. But so, so we know that this was a prophecy specifically referring to the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. And so we start out the chapter setting down, showing the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of that by his genealogy. And then he gives us the details. The birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Now right away Matthew tells us that Mary and Joseph were espoused. You have to realize, folks, an engagement in the Bible and a spousal was considered a legal contract. It's not like our engagement. I remember when I was a youth pastor in another church, uh, one of the kids in my youth group, their dad had been engaged some seven times. And at one time she was with her mom at the store, and uh, the, the mom showed her ID for writing a check, and she looked at the name on the check, she said, said the last name, and said, hey, I used to date a guy like that. She said, well, I'm married to him. You know, your mom got a little bit higher. I, I got it, you know. Uh, but, but, you know, an engagement, man, in our culture, it could be right up to the last minute. Hey, will you take this woman? Nope, change my mind. I'm out of here. And, and there's no legal ramifications. You know, you don't need a lawyer. You don't need to get the courts involved. It's, 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 but that's not the way it was in Bible times. In Bible times, once the marriage contract was drawn up, it was considered legally binding. Well, Pastor Mike, why weren't they living together yet? Well, because in the culture back then, a man would make a marriage contract with the parents of the, the young lady he was interested in, and then he would start working, and he would establish himself, and he would get to where he could provide a living and take care of his family. And when he felt like he was prepared to do that, he would then go back to the bride's house and gather her up with a bunch of fanfare, and she would be watching for him. She'd, have, she'd go, and they'd have this big marriage procession, and they would go back to the father's house, and they would have a big marriage supper of all the guests and stuff there, and that's when the marriage was consummated. It's, it's, a, it's, a very, it's very different than what we're used to in our culture. We'll just say that. Amen? All right? So here Joseph is. He's espoused to Mary. He's not in a position to take on a wife yet. So he's trying to build his carpentry business. He's trying to get some money together. He's trying to, to, to get all the things lined up in a row that need to be done. And all of a sudden, word gets back to him, hey, Joseph. Mary's pregnant. Now, this thing, you know, 
Man, think of how you would feel if you were engaged to a woman. You know, it's like this. Some of the guys that went off to war, they're gone for a couple of years, and they come back, and their wife's got a, a newborn baby. They're like, hey, uh, hold on a minute. You know, that's uh, I, I might not be a, a rocket scientist, but I, you know, this, I know this can't be my kid. I would think of how Joseph must have felt. Note that the Bible says he cared about her. He cared about her. Now, the scripture is very clear. She was with child of who? The Holy Spirit. Because you see, folks, Jesus didn't have a human father. All of us, we have characteristics built into our DNA from our human dads. You know, when I look at pictures of my dad and I look at myself in the mirror, I say to myself, you know, I don't really think I look like my dad that much. I really don't. I don't there's some similarities, but I don't feel like we're dead ringers. Although as time goes by, we are looking more and more alike, i got to say. But I remember I'd been here a couple of years and somebody filmed an Easter service. They put up a tripod in the back of the room and, and uh, before I preached, I sang a special and I watched myself get up out of the chair and I watched myself kind of waddle up to the pulpit like I kind of do sometimes. And I watched the way I held my head as I sang the song and pronounced the words. I said, wow, I'm exactly like my dad. Why is it? Because it's built into my DNA. Can't hardly help it. Uh, my brother and I, uh, we, were, we got together last year when we went down to Orlando uh, that week uh, to be with my parents. And we, were, we drove over to David's church in Tampa and we were visiting with him. And suddenly my wife, Sharice, and David's wife, Day, started comparing notes on how much we are like our dads. None of us live with our dads. We're not studying him day by day. And yet we're doing very much of the same thing. Why? It's built into our DNA. Well, folks, Jesus didn't have the DNA of the human father in him. Amen? He did not have a sin nature. My dad never had to teach me how to sin. just came naturally. You know why? It was in my sinful DNA. Wherefore, by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, I know humanism doesn't teach that, does it? Humanism teaches that man is basically good. It's society that corrupts him. But folks, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches each one of us has that sin nature. And we have, and anybody that's got a kid uh, knows exactly, anybody that's honest with themselves knows exactly uh, how that is and how that works. So Jesus, uh, he's in Mary now. She's pregnant with him. She's pregnant enough at showing, but the Bible's very clear. She was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, but Joseph didn't know that. So he's, man, what am I going to do about this? He cared about Mary. He didn't want to make a big stink about it. Now, under the Jewish law, folks, he could have taken her before the elders of the city and said, hey, listen, I'm not the father of this kid. We're supposed to be married. She's obviously been fooling around. Now you don't want to divorce her. But I want to suggest we follow the law and, and she be stoned to death. What? I mean, the pastor might really. You know, well, they, probably, they might not have done that because they were under Roman law. They couldn't do that. But under the Mosaic law, uh, that's what was supposed to happen. So Joseph, when that, that phrase that says he was thinking about putting her away privately, that means he was trying to figure out a way that he could divorce her. He could legally break the marriage contract without calling a lot of attention to Mary because he. Yeah, he, he did care about her. He didn't want to make a big deal about it. So then he has this dream. Now, folks, can I just say that in the Bible, God spoke to men through dreams quite often. I don't believe God speaks to us through dreams now. That's my own personal belief. If you've got a great dream story you want to tell me, call me about later on today. I'll listen to it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I don't live my life based on what I dream. Because i got to tell you, I've had some pretty crazy dreams over the years. <laughs> Seems like sometimes it'll have something to do. I mean, I had a crazy dream just, yeah, 
that I'm at a bus repair shop, Joey, and I'm calling you about a tire leak, and somebody had a tire leak that week, and I'm telling you, hey, this isn't going to go as fast, and you said, well, I'll just wait for there and go, and I'm there, some other folks showed up, my kids were there, hey, Dad, how's it going, you know, yeah, I got to wait for this bus, and, and I was laying there thinking, you know, boy, it's, it's a shame that I didn't set my alarm, because I'm probably not going to wake up in time, and I woke up, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning, I picked up my phone, and I hadn't set my alarm. And I don't think the Lord was speaking to me, amen, but that was a pretty crazy dream. I set the alarm for 5.30, went back to sleep, and got up. Uh, but I don't believe that God speaks to us through dreams anymore. Why? Because we have the more sure word of prophecy. The Apostle Peter, in his last epistle, 2 Peter 1, says, Hey, listen, I was up on that mountain, and I saw the vision. The vision of what? The vision of Jesus and Moses and Elijah transfigured before them. He said, I heard the voice of the Lord God speak, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. He said, Man, it felt great. I mean, wouldn't that be an exciting thing to see? Amen. That, that would have been, really been something. I had a good feeling. Peter says, Listen, I heard a voice. I saw a vision. I had a good feeling. But that's not what I want you to look for as a believer. We have the more sure word of prophecy. And he was talking about the word of God. God speaks to us through his word. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Now we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect, the word perfect meaning complete, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And I believe that God quit speaking to people through dreams and visions and stuff once the, the final book of Revelation was given to the Apostle John way back there in the Isle of Patmos, uh, almost uh, 2000, well not quite 2000, 1900 years ago. That was almost at the turn of the century. Uh, but anyway, at this point in history, God is speaking to people through dreams. And Joseph goes to bed that night, and the angel of the Lord speaks to him in a dream. And man, Joseph gets up from the dream. He, he's obedient to the dream, man. He gets up. He, he, he goes over to Mary's house and says, Mary, we're going we're gonna to start right now. Pack up your stuff. Let's go. We're going we're gonna to begin living as husband and wife, except, the Bible says, he knew her not. Till she brought forth her firstborn son. Now, there, I know there's some people that teach that Mary was a perpetual virgin. I, I, I don't want to upset anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Mary had a bunch of other kids. That's right. She had four other boys, and she had a couple daughters. I'm sorry, ladies. They don't even give a number on the girls. They just say sisters plural. Could have been two. Could have been ten. I don't know. I don't know. But there were, there were other kids there. But... Joseph is obedient to God and he does this. Now I want you to notice what the angel says. For that which is conceived in her is not a man, but it's of the Holy Ghost. She'll bring forth the Son. You'll call his name Jesus, which has the idea of, of Savior, all right? For he shall save his people from their sins. Now, folks, this is how we talked last week about John the Baptist. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. This is the way God made salvation happen. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. We're talking about all we're saying the carols. We've got the decorations up. We're checking off the lists and stuff and all that good stuff. But folks, what this is all about is how God made a way to be reconciled to us. You see, our sin, folks, is what separates us from God. I'd like you to go back in your mind's eye, go back to the Old Testament, go back to the book of Genesis and think about the creation of man. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that God created man in his own image, and in Genesis 2 it elaborates a little bit. It says, the Lord God formed man 
of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now remember, in chapter 1, the Bible says we are created in the image of God. When I look into a mirror, and I try to avoid that as much as I can, but I, 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 I at least do on Sunday morning before I show up for you to make sure there's not any real big surprises. But when I look in a mirror, that's not me that I see in the mirror. It's a reflection of me, right? Now, if you think that's you in the mirror, too, Maybe you need to go talk to someone. Not this. Anyway, uh, yeah, that, that's just a reflection, right? Now let's understand. Mankind is a reflection of the existence of Isn't that what God says in, in chapter 1? Let us make man in our image. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now what do we know about God Almighty? We know that God, there's one God. But he manifests, he makes himself known to us in three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And our creation, our existence, folks, is a reflection of the existence of God. You look up here now, you see me, you say, hey, that's Pastor Mike. That's Mike Goforth. Yeah, I, I know him, I've seen him around, I know who that is. But I got, I got bad news for him. You're looking at Mike the body, this isn't really me. This part is that you're looking at, it's, it's tainted by sin, it's corrupted. That's why I got these bifocals, that's why I got this gray hair, that's why my joints don't work the way they used to. That's why my nose runs and my feet smell, amen? I'm corruptible. I'm corruptible. This isn't the real me. This is, this is just my body. Now, the real me is my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions. If I were to lose an arm in a car accident or, or lose a leg for some reason, uh, would I still be me? Yeah. Now, there'd be, some, there'd be some differences, I understand. But I would still be my go-forth, right? They wouldn't come take away my, my license and say, sorry, you're not my go for it. You've got to get a new ID because it's not you anymore. Yet. No! I'd still be me. Because the real me is my mind, my will, my emotions. Now, when God created Adam, the Bible teaches that Adam was able to have perfect fellowship with God. I want you just to try to imagine that. God forms Adam's body. He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. And Adam opens his eyes. And he's fellowshipping with God. Folks, if you open your eyes tomorrow morning and saw God, you'd probably be a little bit alarmed. Amen? Do I know about that? Now, reading the Bible. Anytime they saw even an angel, they were alarmed. They were shaken up. You know why? Because we are convicted of our sinfulness. We are convicted of our inadequacy. We are and, and as good a guy as Daniel was. When Daniel saw that one of the angels, one of the messengers of God, he fell down on his face before him. But Adam was communicating with God. God said, hey, Adam, look where I got you to live. Got this beautiful garden for you to live in, Adam. See those two trees in the middle? The one tree is the tree of life. You can eat of that tree anytime you want to, Adam. The other tree is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Adam, if you eat of that tree, the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Don't eat of that tree, Adam. But all the other trees in the garden, you got everything you need here. 
says, by the way, I want you to notice all these animals that I created here. What, what do you call this animal? And, and, and Adam looked at that animal with a long nose. He said, man, that looks like an elephant. He said, okay. Yeah, he brought the giraffe along with that. He said, man, that looks like a giraffe. You know what that looks like? And man, Adam named all the animals. We say that we, we think we're so smart now. That's what evolution teaches, by the way. We started out as a single-celled amoeba swimming in a mud puddle until a lightning bolt struck it. I don't know, I don't know where they get that from. I, I, you know, the amino acids combined just right or whatever. And, and, and now, now we're here today. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we started out perfect. We started out sinless. We started out with great capacity. And because of sin, we have become more and more and more limited. And we don't we don't have as long. Now, I know I know some people pass away. I got an iPhone, I got a computer, I got a car, but they haven't been all this. The thing about Adam didn't need all this, did he? Adam didn't need a wristwatch. You ever think about that? <laughs> Adam didn't need a calendar. Everything was fine. So Adam's in perfect fellowship with God, but as he names his animals, he's noticing something. Every animal has a mate, and Adam notices he doesn't have a mate for himself. And God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to make him a help me. He has Adam go into a deep sleep. He takes a rib. He, from that rib, he forms a woman. Uh, Adam wakes up. God presents Eve to Adam, and God performs the first marriage ceremony right there in the Garden of Eden. And everything is good. And you say, Pastor Mike, how do you know that? Because that's how chapter 1 ended. It said, and, and behold, God saw everything that made, and it was good. Good. It was all good. It's all good. But then something happens in chapter 3, folks. The serpent tells Eve, God's holding out of it. He starts out suggesting God's holding out, then he flat out says, God's lying to you. You're not going to die. You're not going to die. It won't kill you. Yeah, we say that to our kids all the time, right? Cry. It won't kill you. We really shouldn't do that. We're quoting Satan. You know, that's, that's, that's the one that came up with that. And try it. And you'll be fine. And the Bible says when Eve saw the food that was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, it was a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the tree and did eat, and she gave to Adam, and he ate also. And the Bible says the eyes of them both were opened, and then they realized for the first time that they were naked. They weren't wearing any clothes, because that's how God uh, designed them. That's how God had made them. They're still in that stage of innocence. People ask me sometimes, Pastor Mike, how do I know when my kid is old enough to start talking to them about spiritual things? When they quit running around the house half naked after bath time, amen? When, when you knock on the door, the, the bedroom, they say, Dad, how come they are naked? Now, they might be old enough to start thinking about that. But before that point, they don't think a thing about it. Man, I've, I've gone to houses and had grandkids meet me at the door above naked, you know. Hey, Grandma, how are you? You know what? They don't care. They're innocent. <laughs> They're innocent. They don't, they don't understand that yet. But see, the moment that they ate that fruit, something changed. Now, I want you to leap forward in the chapter a little bit. They realized they were naked. They made fig leaf aprons. By the way, that's a picture of work salvation. They were attempting to cover their own nakedness. They thought that would work. They thought that would be good. But then they heard the voice of the Lord God calling in the garden. Adam! What did they do, folks? The Bible says they hid. They hid themselves from the trees of the garden. Now what happened? God told Adam, 
Adam, in the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Now, folks, what happens when somebody dies? When somebody dies, their eternal soul is separated from their physical body. When we call the funeral director, they come in and they pick up what we call the remains. No one says that's them because we realize it's not really them anymore, right? That's just some place where they used to live. But they're not there anymore. That's the remains. There's been a separation. When you read that word die, or you read the word death in the Bible, folks, really, what that's talking about is there's a separation. Now let's go back to our, our passage today. She shall bring forth a son, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. What is it that separated Adam and Eve from God? Their sin. The realization that they had sinned against him. Folks, Adam and Eve died spiritually that day. And everyone that's ever been born on this earth ever since has been born dead spiritually. You say, Pastor Mike, I'm not so sure about that. Read Ephesians 2.1. You have the quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus in John chapter 3? Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be what? Born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, I'm over 40 years old. How can I be born again? How can I enter into my mother's womb? Good night. All the moms said, oh me. I don't even want to think about that. Bad enough when he was an 8 or a 10 pounder. I don't want to think about some 200 pounder being in there. Forget that. He said, how can I be born again? She said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. What Jesus is telling Nicodemus is you have to be born again spiritually. Now this is how Jesus would save his people from their sins. He came down to us. We can never, folks, we can never make it up to him on our own. We can't make it on our own. He came down to us. He took the form of flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Think about that. The, the one, John chapter 1 talks about this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. How did Jesus create this earth? And God said, let there be whatever. And it was there. Now, if you came over to my house, I can show you a couple things here and there in the house that I've made. But I'm going to tell you right now, I didn't just speak them into existence. I got some wood, I got some stain, I got some tools, some saws, some pencils, some tape rolls. I did some cutting and whittling and fitting and did, and, and, and now it's there. And I tell people, yeah, I made that, but really what I mean is I assembled it. Amen? Because I didn't make it. But folks, God made everything. And God made this world, and God placed us on this world, and God wants to have a personal relationship with you. But you've got to understand something. Your sin separates you from God. Now, this is why some people you talk to about coming to church, you know what they say? Oh, I walk in that church, lightning will strike. If I walk in that church, the foundation will crack. Better not crack, brothers. Amen. Uh, if I walk into that church... 
You know what they're really saying? I don't feel comfortable being in church. You know why? Because they associate the building as being the house of God. And they're not comfortable in God's house. Right. You ever been to somebody's house you just did not quite feel comfortable? When I was a kid, I had a friend. And his, uh, it, apparently his dad made a little bit uh, more money than I was used to seeing people make. I mean, we walked in, we walked in this one room, and man, there were these couches, and man, I've never seen couches like that except in catalogs. Hey, man, just, hey, let's sit down, man. Said, man I'm, I'm not sure I should sit down in here, man. You, you got a different room for me to sit in? I didn't feel comfortable there, amen? I, 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 man, I, I don't belong here. Folks, your sin is what separates you from God. Your corruptible body is what's keeping you from being in perfect love. Now, Jesus wants to save you from your sin. Now, the first thing, when we think about saving from sin, the first thing we need to realize is he wants to save us from the penalty of sin. What's the penalty of sin? The wages, the paycheck, the wages of sin is what? Death. death. Folks, not just physical death. We're all going to die physically someday. <laughs> Unless, of course, the rapture happens, but that's a different message. You don't want me to get started on that at 5 till, all right? So, we're all going to die physically someday. That's not talking about just this. That's talking about spiritual death. Revelation 21 talks about that. But the fearful and the unbelieving and abominable and sorcerers and whoremongers <coughs> and adulterers. Sounds like a pretty rough crowd, huh? Then it says, and all liars. Uh-oh, now we're all in trouble. That's right, you call me a liar? You ever seen somebody that you're trying to avoid? And they said, hi, how you doing? Good to see you. And you stuck out of the and said, good to see you too. Because you were lying. You didn't want to see them. You don't want to talk to them. You're a liar. Bible says all men are liars. I've met a couple women that are liars too. Amen. I mean that. We're all we all have trouble with that. Bible says, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the Second death. There's a separation that's going to take place someday between our eternal soul and our body. But folks, there's another separation that's going to take some place between our eternal soul and our Creator. Revelation 20 talks about the great white throne judgment. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. Another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to those things which were written in the books. And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Folks, that's the second death. Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin. If you're here today, if you've never had time that you put your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior, He offers you His salvation. But you have to receive the gift. We're going to celebrate Christmas in a few weeks. Chances are, there's going to be a gift with your name on it at some point. Chances are. Maybe some of you will just get cold, I don't know. But chances are, there's going to be a gift with your name on it. But just because the gift's been paid for, just because the gift was, was thoughtfully wrapped, just because the gift had your name on it, doesn't mean it doesn't do you any good until you do what? You have to receive the gift. Now John 1.12 tells us, As many as received him, to them gave he power, that's that Holy Spirit power, the same power that impregnated Mary. The Holy Spirit comes into us to then give you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. He saved us from the penalty of our sin. But now, 
wait a minute, folks, he does, doesn't just save us from the penalty of our sin. He also saves us from the power of sin. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Even though you trust Christ as your Savior, does that mean you're sinless after that? And I know there's some churches that teach that if you work hard at it enough, you can be. But they need to read what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. You're never going to be free of it. You need to read what John writes in 1 John chapter 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. <laughs> we'll never totally get over our sin. We'll never totally get the victory over that. But the Bible does say that if we'll walk in the Spirit, we can get victory over that. Hey, I've known alcoholics that have been able to get victory over the, the booze through the, through the help of the Lord. I know folks that have problems uh, with adultery, fornication. They're able to get victory over that through the power of God. Hey, I know folks that have issues with temper. You're looking at one of them. I know. I, look, I seem so mild-mannered I never have. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I had a pretty bad temper when I was young. Oh, I don't believe that for a second. You know why? Because the Lord's helping me with it. But my wife can tell you, yeah, 34 years, I've seen him kind of upset, you know. Oh, I don't know. 50, 60 times. I don't, I don't know how many times she would say. But you know what? God can give you. I hear people say, well, I can't help it. That's, you're right. You can't help it. But you know what? Jesus came That's right. to save you from the power of sin over your life. We can be more than conquerors to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, someday, someday, folks, he'll also save us from the presence of sin. You know, someday when we're in heaven, there will be no sin in his presence. After that great white throne judgment, all the, all the sin will be gone, it will be put away, there will be a new heaven, there will be a new earth, there will be a new creation. And people say sometimes, Pastor Mike, man, I don't know if I want to go to heaven or not. This sounds pretty boring, floating on a crowd, cloud and playing a harp. Well, I'd like you to show me that verse somewhere where we float on a, car, on a cloud and play a harp, because I'm not sure I know where that verse is in the Bible. But if you can show it to me, I'd be interested in studying it for you. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, the Bible teaches that the new Jerusalem, the new heaven, is going to come down to a newly created earth. Where did we start out in Genesis chapter 1, folks? On a beautiful, freshly created earth. But you see, this earth has been corrupted by sin. Romans says the whole <coughs> creation groans because of the sin. And Peter says, seeing that all these things should be melted with a fervent heat, what manner of men ought he to be? God's going to renew it. God, God's going to give us a new one. And John writes in John 21, I see a new heaven and a new earth. But it'll be different, folks. There won't be any time. How can there not be time? There's no sun, moon, or stars. That, that's how we tell time, right? How we tell, there's no sun, moon, or stars. How can that be? Because Jesus is the light, you know? Jesus is the light. She shall bring forth the sun. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Hey, if you're here today, if you've never been saved from the penalty of sin, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be fearful. You don't have to go through life not certain of what Christ offers his salvation. That's what the, the, folks, the Christmas message isn't about a baby in a manger, but that's how he came. And I, I love saying away in a manger. But that, that's not the end of it, amen? Unfortunately for a lot of people, Christmas is going to come and go, and that's going to be it. They're going to put the nativity scene away, they're going to put away the Christmas carols, and they're going to get back down to the, the, the nitty-gritty. But that's not what it's all about. He came here to save us from our sins. Not just the penalty of sin, 
but from the power of sin, and someday, praise God, from the presence of sin. Hey, you know what? I don't, I don't think in heaven you'll have to sit around listening to Pastor Mike or, or any of the guys laughing at his jokes. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen! Now we hear direct from God himself. Not going to need any preachers in heaven. Hey, you know what happened? We're not going to have to worry about whether we can carry a tune or not. I think we're going to have a glorified body that has a glorified voice. Man, we'll all be able to sing good. No, no frogs croaking in there at all. Amen? Because that's what we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. So bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, stand together for a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us this morning. I pray if there's someone here.